When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, Tommy, this is one of my favorite shows of the year because we're talking about, well, we're talking about dead cars. That's a little bit dark, isn't it, Dad? Yeah, it's kind of cool to figure <laughs> out, you know, which cars uh, succeeded and which cars didn't. Uh, and in this video, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to talk about the list of cars that died in 2020. Some of these vehicles were announced last year and finally ended production this year, and some have just been announced oh, as oh, dead. Oh, 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 I have a question. Can I be the cranky old man and kind of talk about why they died? Um, you can, but let's keep <laughs> the crankiness to a minimum. That's coming up next. Sit back and relax or keep driving if you're driving. TFL Talking Cars is on the air, the world's most popular car podcast. Okay, maybe not yet, but we're working on it. Hey, Tommy, did you notice that this is no longer called Talking Cars, but TFL Talk? Yeah, what is up with the name change? Are we changing it because, well, when we started this podcast, we didn't know that Consumer Reports had a podcast called Talking Cars, and we really don't want to step on their toes. So sorry, Consumer Reports. We didn't do it on purpose. We just didn't know. But more importantly, it's also the name of our YouTube channel, so uh, it's all kind of under one heading. Yeah, we probably should have done a little bit more homework into that, Dad. <laughs> we should have, but, you know, we, we, when we make a mistake, you know, we fix it. All right, so should we dive right into the list? Yeah, and I think this list is alphabetical. It is alphabetical, so some of these cars may seem to not fit with other vehicles, but just keep in mind that the A's are before the B's, which are before the C's. So starting with the first A. By brand. Yep, Acura RLX. Yeah, you know, Acura has... Um, been going through a little bit of an identity crisis, I would say, right? When it first came out, they had some really strong vehicles uh, for all you uh, guys out there who were around when the original NSX came out, the Integra, the Legend. These were really powerful entries into you know, a new brand. Uh, and over the years, they've kind of lost their way in terms of what the brand stands for. And recently what they've done is they've kind of come back to that heritage, right? I've been talking to the guys at Honda, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to make that sportiness that is the Honda racing team infused into all their products. Uh, and so their newest products, of course, have a lot more, well, they would say character and sportiness and just fun baked into them. Can I be totally honest with sure. you? Sure. I'm not sure I've ever seen the latest generation RLX on the road here in Colorado. Yeah, it didn't exactly uh, knock the world on fire in terms of sales. RLX is a sedan. Yep. And yeah, as sedans we, aren't selling. Yeah, as we look at the market, sedans are dead. They're just not selling in the same quantity that crossovers and small SUVs are selling. So it makes sense why the RLX is on its way out. I think it's a pretty handsome car. It's got kind of those weird bug-eyed lights with the little LEDs. But apart from that, 
inside is nice, outside is nice. It just didn't fit in the marketplace. You know, it'll be a car that will be really uh, a good used car 10 years from now because it'll have that classic Acura build quality and it'll be inexpensive because it'll depreciate like a rock. Coolest part of the RLX, by the mm. way, super handling all-wheel drive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it's um, pretty uh, badass. It's just the wrong car at the wrong time. So the next car on our list is one that I am quite fond of, even if I've never driven it. It's a car that at one point was selling something like 10 units a month, and that is the Alfa Romeo 4C Spider. Yeah, that's the car that I... Um I remember we were, I was just watching an old Top Gear where uh, Jeremy Clarkson did this ultimate road trip through Italy, uh, and that was a car that he just fell in love with. And, you know, with uh, Top Gear, you never know if it's real or if it's, you know, Hollywood showbiz, but that's the one he said he wanted to buy. I've driven that car. Um, I would not want to buy it, Tommy. Uh, <laughs> I know Clarkson's a big dude, but so am I. I don't fit in that thing. Honestly, you know, uh, I mean, it, 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 it's like the, it's an answer to a question nobody asked, right? Do we really need a Lotus Evora competitor? And the answer is probably not. I always thought the 4C was such a cool idea to make a true stripped-down driver's car that was kind of more premium than something like a Miata, but, you know, the essence of fun. And the 4C just didn't sell in the quantity that I think Alfa Romeo thought it might. Now, there were a bunch of issues with it. It was very expensive, and the specs just weren't up to more traditional vehicles in the performance category. So it had a little four-cylinder turbocharged engine. But I want to say that these were over, yeah, here we go, starting price, $67,000. And that is a big ask for a vehicle that just isn't as quick on paper. And people buy cars based on their specs, right? Well, let's face it. I mean, the 4C is really like a Ducati with four wheels, right? <laughs> I mean, you're not going to bring along a lot of uh, friends, or at least not big friends, uh, and a lot of stuff because there's no place to put it. Uh, and so, you know, it's a track day kind of car. It's also the car that if you wanted to invest in right now that's going to appreciate the most, that's the one I would buy because it's got that magic formula of being an Alfa Romeo, which is cool, and yet not selling very many, which makes it desirable. So uh, if you haven't gotten yourself one, Hold on to it, buy it, and I bet you even like 10 years from now, it'll go up in value. The reason it was so expensive, though, is because of its construction. It was that full carbon fiber. Carbon fiber, yeah. It was limited quantity, 237 horsepower, but the car was so light. I've read that it really chugs down the road with a lot of confidence. You know, you know what's another car, I say car loosely, that kind of got it, did the same thing and did it for much less money? What? The slingshot. It's very similar in character to a slingshot. I mean, a slingshot, of course, is more of a, a three-wheeler. Uh, but when you drive the two, uh, there's a, they have a lot of, like, uh, um, kind of the same vibe runs through both of them. This one does have a roof, though, which is a big positive. You can but, get yeah, a slingshot with a roof. I, I, I agree. I totally understand that comparison. I think that's a, a really smart thing. You said, obviously, it doesn't handle as well as the Alfa Romeo, the slingshot, right? right? Of course, yeah. It's not as performance-oriented, but it, it's kind of like a track day toy, something you cruise plas- around with. It's plastic. Yeah, but, but, but the vibe is the same when you drive them. All right. Let's move on to the next vehicle going through more of the A's, the Aston Martin Rapide. Ah, the Rapide. You know, I've never – I've wanted to drive one. I remember when it first came out, I was super excited by the vehicle. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I was watching the reviews. So this is all secondhand knowledge, unfortunately, for me. Uh, but it seems like uh, what they did was they – oh, actually, I did sit in it. That's not true. I was at the Geneva Auto Show, so I did get to sit in it. Uh, and what they did was they kind of sacrificed um, utility uh, for style, which is cool but not in a four-seater. You see what I'm saying? I mean, if you're going to have a sports utility vehicle, then you got to have utility. And the back seat of this thing was almost 
unusable. Well, the Rapide was always built as a ultimate Grand Tour. So it's low to the ground. It's basically... Um, you know what it's kind of like? It's kind of like a Panamera, just for a lot more money. And a lot less room and a lot less practicality. At least, at least Porsche didn't give up, like, like you know, practicality for style, which, but, is what, which is what Aston did. Yeah, but I'm totally fine with that because look at the way it looks. It's just incredible. Yeah, it looks great until you got to sit in the back seat or Let, get in the back okay, seat. No one is using the back seat on a Rapide. I, I, I think that's a place where you put your Louis Vuitton. Well, then Vuit- why not just get a Vanquish? No, it's a place where you put your Louis Vuitton. Uh, your Louis Vuitton. I'm, I'm serious. I mean, if, you, if you're not going to use the back seat, why not just get a Vanquish? Because because if you have that Louis Vuitton suitcase It'll fit in the Vanquish. and a small dog, you can't put both of those in a Vanquish. <laughs> you put the dog in the passenger seat and the, and the Louis Vuitton no. in, in the back of If the you Vanquish. can afford this, you're probably a model in L.A. So you look really good. You want to have your model girlfriend next to you also look really good. you got the little dog in the back seat. You've got the fancy luggage. No, 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 no. no. If you can afford this, you've already got another car that's a two-seater like a 911 and you want something that you can actually use that's practical but the problem was it wasn't and it was expensive and it didn't have like you know the best performance right it would get its butt kicked by a Panamera Turbo okay next up on the list is the Bentley Mulsan yeah I got to sit in that actually at the Geneva Auto Show um, and you know that um, is a very expensive car uh, that's kind of gone the way of the Maybach you know the only one that's actually been able to kind of stick around is the Rolls Royce, right? That oversized, huge uh, four-door sedan, ultimate luxury car, right? The, the, the They don't seem to be selling at this p- moment in time, right? People, like, Bentley sells a lot more Bentegas than it does Mulsans, uh, you know, uh, and uh, Rolls Royce, like I said, is, is the only one that seems to be, you know, the, the one that's still sticking around. Maybach went away. Um, it's 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 just a it's just a uh, you know it, it feels like a, a vehicle that was designed for the 1960s or 70s and it doesn't translate well today. I think that's what made it so special though because it had a much better design than the Rolls Royce, either the Ghost or the Phantom. I always thought the Mulsanne looked better. I personally think the Mulsanne looks so much better than the Continental and the Flying Spur. It's just it's got that squared off look, those two round headlights. It's got long flowing lines that extend the length of the vehicle. Gorgeous, gorgeous car. But it is a very low-volume uh, beast because it's just ridiculously expensive. 506 horsepower, almost 700, well, 752 pound-feet of torque, 0 to 60, 5.1 seconds, not bad for a luxury barge. No, I love the Mulsanne, and I'll be sad to see it, it just, go. It's just like I don't think like that, that sort of conspicuous consumption isn't isn't in vogue right now, right? Uh, I mean, Tesla kind of redefined that in some ways. If you really want to be like that ostentatious, you got to do it by being environmentally friendly, by having non-animal uh, uh, skins in the vehicle. You know what I'm saying? And you got to you got to kind of be environmentally conscious. That says the exact opposite. I'm not saying that 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 conspicuous consumption is dead because I mean, you look at some of the big ass like trucks out there right now, like the TRX, which scream, you know, I'm, I'm destroying the earth. But in that segment, I think it's cooler to be understated and environmentally sound than having like a humidor and a champagne uh, refrigerator in the back of your vehicle. Keep in mind, though, you could probably get three or four Tesla Model S's fully loaded right. for the price but of this. I mean, this is beyond conspicuous consumption. This is mm-hmm. like yeah. I have 25 it feels, cars. It just feels like, you know, the... the it feels like something somebody in the 60s or 70s would be driving around, not today. All right, next up on the list is the BMW i8. 
Uh, yeah, you know, that's a car that I love. I, I'd love to own it. Those I was looking at them, actually. They started to come down in price. They were originally like in the $100,000, $120,000 range. Now you can actually get them for like sixty k. Uh, the problem with that car was that, um, well, it should have been all electric to begin with, and it should have been a lot quicker. Yeah, it was this weird plug-in hybrid system, so it had a uh, a battery and a three-cylinder turbocharged engine out of the Mini Cooper. So little, small engine and a fairly big battery, and then they combined the two to give you the performance. But it was just too slow. Yeah, and it, it writes a check that it can cash, right? You line up against that in any modern electric car, and you're going to lose, right? It'll lose to even a dual-motor uh, uh, Model 3. Yeah, know. yeah, for sure. I mean, it was expensive when it was new. It was gorgeous. Also had this insanely expensive carbon-reinforced body, but it just didn't have the performance that it needed. I saw the convertible at the LA Auto Show in kind of this bronze color, and it was just stunning. I'm, I'm hoping to wait another, let's say, five years when they get down to, like, uh, 50 to 30K, 30 to 50K. Then I think we'll have to go pick one up uh, because it's a really cool car. It feels like BMW put a lot of engineering into it and a lot of expensive materials. And I think at any anywhere below 50K, it's a bargain. So total horsepower and system output, 369 horsepower, 420 pound-feet of torque, two-speed automatic transmission. Yeah, you can't, you can't put a mini power plant into a vehicle and ask 120K. You just can't. Um, and the battery was... Pretty big for a plug-in hybrid, but pretty small for an all-full electric. It's just uh, 11.6 kilowatt hours. I'll be sad to see it go, though, because whenever you saw one on the road, it was an occasion with the really cool doors that kind of hinge upward toward the sky. It's also hard to get in and out of. Uh, that's less of a problem when you're, yeah, when you're 20 or 23 like me. I, I, it's not, not much of a concern, but then I could never afford this car. So, uh, Next up on the list... Any guesses? Cadillac CT6. Now, I've got a lot to say about the CT6. That's good because I have nothing to say about it. Well, it's a car that nobody ever thinks about because no one ever sees them because it's a large, full-size sedan. But unlike the rest of the Cadillac lineup, in my opinion, the CT6 had a beautiful design. It had the long hood. It had the flowing, curvaceous line across the side. It had big wheels, big in-your-face grille, the most amazing headlights. And you could get it with the Blackwing V8, which was this insane supercharged V8. The CT6 was the car that introduced a Super Cruise, I believe, to the world. And I am so sad to see it go because uh, I would love to see one on the road, to be honest, just with its uh, incredible looks. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave. I'm not, not going to beat it dead horse here, but Cadillac has been trying to out-German the Germans, uh, and it's a strategy that's not working, so knock it off, Cadillac. Make an American luxury car. Stop trying to be a better German luxury car. Oh, I apologize. I misspoke. The Blackwing V8 was a twin turbo with 550 horsepower, a true successor to the CTSV. Yeah, I'm sure they ran around the Nürburgring and try to figure out how fast it is, and no one cared. It was, um, a, 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 according to Cadillac, a combination of more than a century of engineering craft. Hey, and hey, you know which car is not going away? What? The Escalade. Uh, yes, but I would much rather have this over the Escalade. I wouldn't. I'll take the Escalade. The Escalade looks like a shoebox. True American luxury car. No, it, it looks like a shoebox. A with true American luxury car. Big pogo sticks for wheels. This looks like... More Escalades, Cadillac. This looks like a proper American I'm sorry, luxury I'm, I'm, vehicle. I'm, I'm, I'm interrupting, but I told you I was going to be grumpy, so... Okay, next up on the list is the Chevrolet Impala and Chevrolet Sonic. Now, these were vehicles that were announced to be discontinued, I think, last year, but they finally ended production this year. Do you know why? Because big American sedans don't sell? No. Well, the Sonic (laughs) is hardly a big American sedan. No, the reason apparently they were discontinued is because they were assembled at... 
Hamtramck. Oh, Hamtram was sold. Hamtramck. Yeah, I know. I know. We, sorry, guys. If you're from there <laughs> and if you work at the factory, uh, we apologize. And that factory is being retooled now to produce the Hummer. So apparently uh, that is one of the yeah, reasons. Wasn't that one that was sold? No. No, Hamtramck wasn't sold? No, I don't believe so. No, I believe I it's... that was sold to... Uh, well, anyway. Yeah, I think uh, it's being used to... Let us know in the comments below. So uh, the Impala, you know, big old sedan, the Sonic, the little economy car. Sonic was a lot of fun, actually. I had a lot of fun in a Sonic. They had a turbo model, which was super great to drive. Yeah, I think it was a rebadged Korean car, if I remember right. A Daihatsu, maybe? No, not Daihatsu. Uh, um, what was it? The Korean brand? That may have been Daewoo. That Daewoo. may have been the Spark. Was that the Spark? Okay. So the Spark the was a really, really small one. Okay. The Sonic, uh, they've updated the look over the years. There was the RS trim with the sporty accents. Uh, all those all those little hatches are gone, though, right? The Ford killed them off as well. No Fiesta. Uh, and so I just... Um, I just don't think that uh, like small little hatchbacks are in vogue right now, and so it makes sense that people wouldn't be buying them. Now, I personally, I think the Sonic was great because if you couldn't afford a Golf GTI, the little turbocharged four in the Sonic was awesome. The one I drove had a manual transmission. It was fun to drive. Not quite as well made as a Volkswagen, I don't think. Not quite as good looking, but overall, a super good value for what you got. Yeah, the problem is I think all the people who want those now want like a WRX, right? Or they want something with a little bit more horsepower. Or, uh, you know, they're looking at, uh, like, RAV4s. Right. But I'm still sad to see it go. It was a, it was a cool Mazda little car. Mazda 3s, maybe, you know. The Impala, I could uh, without. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, without. yeah, that and the 300C, these are just these are cars from a different era. Okay, so next, bygone era. next up we have two Dodge products that, that have been around for so many years. It's amazing that they finally discontinued them. That is, of course, the Dodge Grand Caravan, the minivan, and the Dodge Journey. Yeah, because, well, there's a new Pacifica, right? So the Grand Caravan is now the, I mean, the Pacifica is just a much better vehicle and does the same thing. Uh, And, of course, the Journey, the old man van, Tommy. Right, that's how it was marketed. It was the four-door kind of more... uh, That, 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 you know, that sold you down way past its prime because it was everything that people wanted. It was, you know, I know they're killing it, but... It probably should have died like five years ago. But the reason it kept going was because it was utilitarian and it was very affordable. So it, it met a lot of needs for a lot of people uh, and uh, you know served a lot of different purposes. I'm surprised it's going away. The Dodge Journey was an interesting vehicle. It was one of, with discounts, one of the most yeah. affordable new SUVs you could buy. It was available with seven seats. And my favorite part about the Journey actually has nothing to do with the uh, design or the performance it's the fact that it was available with a four-speed automatic transmission. I think one of the very last vehicles sold with a four-speed. You know, I'm not a coffee drinker, but I'll, I'll use this analogy. You know what the journey is like? What? It's just like black coffee, right? It's something, you know, it's not fancy. It's not a cappuccino. It's not an Americano. It doesn't have the froth. But if you just want good, basic coffee, then a black coffee or a good, basic transportation, then the journey was it. Yeah, it wasn't particularly well made. It wasn't very fun to drive. It wasn't that good to look yeah, at. Yeah, like black coffee isn't particularly, you know, <laughs> delicious. But, right. But it works when you need it. Okay, next up on the list, moving on to something quite a bit more expensive and something that is not in our wheelhouse, but we'll have to talk about it anyways, the Ferrari GTC4 Lusso. Yeah, who would have thought a four-seater Ferrari wouldn't sell? Well, I think I would argue that the – what was the one that came before this one? The um, mm, FF. I think that sold pretty darn well. The FF? 
I went to uh, there's, there's, uh, there's a long story I've told it I won't tell it again but basically uh, I was at the launch when they unveiled the FF at the Geneva Auto Show uh, and uh, everybody was kind of like ah uh, yeah four seater Ferrari uh, and you know they were trying to uh, basically build uh, a more utilitarian Ferrari and they didn't want to go down the route that they should have gone down which is actually build a crossover an SUV right they should have gone down like the Bentayga route or the Jaguar F-Pace, Rob, right? But they didn't want to do that, so they built this four-seater. Uh, they marketed – I remember they, the, the launch of it was they put it on a ski hill, remember? And then people got to drive it down a ski hill somewhere in, like, either Italy or France. And it just, it just, it just never, you know, I don't think it ever connected with, with that market. So the GTC for Lusso, according to our producer Zach, is rumored to be replaced with the very first Ferrari SUV. So maybe they finally wised up there and decided to build a. Uh, I, I think that they don't, didn't want to build it. I think that they really, Ferrari just does not want to build a crossover SUV. But the economics of it are such uh, that uh, it's like, you know, it's like your brand isn't that. But yet, if you build it, you will sell so many of them, and you will be able to use that money for you know developing race cars and developing better Ferraris that you can't help but do it. I think that's really where they're at. At this, it point. was like the Cayenne thing, same same deal. I right, mean, same deal. If you want a 911, you got to buy a Cayenne because that's what uh, pays for the 911. Yeah. So moving on past the Ferrari, we're moving to Fiat, who recently just killed the 500L which has to be one of the tallest and narrowest cars sold today, and the Sporty 124 Spider. And then, you know, last year we talked about the death of the 500 and the 500E, so there's only one model left in the, the X. lineup. Yeah, the 500X. The little uh, Renegade crossover-ish vehicle. Uh, dude, if I were a Ferrari, I mean a Ferrari, if I were a Fiat dealer right now, I'd be like, why am I <laughs> selling these cars? I only have one car in the showroom to sell. Uh, the Fiat, the 124, is actually okay. I mean... You know, it was, I think, by far the most reliable Fiat you can buy because it was built on the same line that the Miata's built on in Japan, right? And they stuck the little 1.8 liter, am I saying that right? Was Four. It 1.4 liter I turbo? Think, yep. Anyway, the little turbo out of the Fiat 500 turbo into it. And uh, it was pretty peppy. It had a, you know, pretty sexy little nose on it and a butt, which, you know, made it different from the uh, Mazda. Uh, but, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's tough times for uh, the, Fiat dealers. The issue is I don't think of a... I don't think there's much of a compelling reason to buy a 124 over a Miata. It was a little bit bigger than the Miata, which was good. Longer, but not yeah, bigger. Yeah, it was longer. That's right. But I don't think it was as handsome. The uh, the power plant, I don't think really was all that much better, the turbo. Once again, buy it now. Hold on to it. It'll go up in value. I'm not so sure, Dad. And it had the transmission, if I remember right, out of the old Miata. Didn't Mazda give them the old Miata transmission? I think it did. Let me know if I'm right about that in the comment section below. And then they came out with the Abart, which I was super stoked for. And what they did with the Abart is paint the hoods black and give it four exhaust pipes. Though there's a new 500E in Europe, which we supposedly aren't getting. I don't know why. If I were Fiat, I'd bring that thing over immediately. Uh, Electric cars are, you know, on the rise. Uh, That tide is, you know, going up. So why not not bring it here? The other thing that uh, I guess I should say at this point was that the 500L was perhaps one of the... uh, One of the... um, I would say most dreary cars <laughs> available. Yeah, yeah. It just it just it didn't work on a lot of different levels. So I think this was the second model Fiat brought to the U.S. upon the return. It was 500, and then they did the Cabrio and those little guys, and then they did the L. And the L was kind of supposed to be the bigger crossover 500, but they never gave it all-wheel drive. They made it 
look like a Hoover, and then they basically just made it miserable to drive. It was not a good car. I hate to say it. It was good for rental fleets. It's cheap. That's an advantage of it. But it's not all-wheel drive like the X. It certainly looks like a bread van from the side. And it's just – it's not cute. It's not that useful. But at least it's cheap. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything else. You pretty much summed it up. Okay. Next up. From the Ford Motor Company, the Ford Fusion, which was the four-door sedan. Love that car. That's a really. I think that was one of the sexiest car in the mid-size sedan segment. Uh, you know, outside of uh, maybe like the Mazda Six. I, I think that's the best-looking car. It was also the car that came with all-wheel drive. Uh, not a lot of cars in that segment that came with all-wheel drive. But once again, Ford decided that they were no longer in the car biz. Uh, they were going to only build SUVs, crossovers, and the Mustang. And the pickup trucks. And the pickup trucks. Of course. Can't forget the pickup trucks. But the Fusion was a good car. Uh, they had the, um, the the sporty one, too, with the EcoBoost. Yeah, with the big old EcoBoost in it. That thing went like stink. It was a rocket. That's another one. That's another one you should look at. I keep you know spending way too much on time on Craigslist, but if the, I came along that sport, that might be one that you could have a lot of fun with. Definitely a sleeper. And they had the hybrid. I think they had all-wheel drive as well. They did, uh, for sure. Vast was, variety of engines. It was, it was only one of, at that time, when it was being built, it was only like one of three that had all-wheel drive, right? You could get the uh, the Legacy in all-wheel drive, the Fusion, and what else? Mm, Camry didn't have it. Altima didn't have it. Mm-hmm. Accord didn't have it. I think there were there were like thirteen cars in that segment. There were only two. I think the uh, the Dart did Dart have when it was Dart still? was smaller. Okay, never Dart, mind. Dart was a class down. Yeah, yeah, the Fusion, anyways, is a good car. Yeah, buy one. Yeah, uh, the interior is looking pretty dated now yeah. for the twenty twenty model. And sinking it is. Wow. Yeah, sink is also kind yeah. of a, uh, a debacle. The yeah. Uh, now the other one that's on the list from Ford yeah. is the GT three fifty, the Mustang. Yeah, the GT350 was a vehicle that was uh, built as the ultimate Mustang before they built the GT500, of course. Uh, and uh, the issue with it was it was basically a really great track car. I mean, a really great track car with that flat playing crank, right? Uh, really tuned for going around a track quickly, which is not great for, like, drag racing. And the problem is most people who buy Mustangs certainly aren't track goers, right? They're not track day people just because, well, if you're a track day person, you're probably buying something like a Porsche. Uh, and so the guys who did buy it were like, hey, let's take this thing drag racing, and it just wasn't set up for that. Uh, and so while it was, I think, the ultimate uh, Mustang track car, it just, you know, didn't necessarily uh, resonate as much with, the the, the 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 potential buyers. The other problem, of course, is when the GT500 came along, why not buy that instead of the GT350? Although, to go with your cars that are going to appreciate in value, the GT350R was a very special car. I think it had carbon fiber wheels, if I remember right, and that is one to very look loved. out for. Yeah, and the used market for potentially even an investment. Okay, moving on the, from... The other problem with it, um, you know, having been in it, is you could get that with a classic Ford interior, and you're buying this kind of Ultimate performance car, right? And yet the interior feels like something that belongs in a Fusion. Next up on the list is the Honda Civic Si. This is a car that is going away, I think, for one model year. Yeah, just for one year. They're bringing it back. Yeah, because there's a, a new, refreshed Civic coming, which will carry on hey, the Si nameplate. I applaud Honda for building the Si, right? Basically, they have three um, versions of the Civic, right? The base, the Si, and the Type R. And it's hard to sell that middle version sometimes because all the love and spotlight goes on the, the top dog, right? The top, the Type R. Uh, but it's cool that it's 
still available. It's cool that it's uh, only available in a manual. You know, Honda is one of the last manufacturers that's still clinging to that. And thank you, Honda. We appreciate it. I'm sure it, you get battered in the marketplace because of it, but it's really cool. Um, the only issue with that car is it's got this thing where the, the, the engine revs kind of hang. So when you're shifting it, let's say you're going from first to second, the engine kind of stays revving for a little bit too long when you want to shift into second. And the other car that Honda is going away with is the Honda Fit. So the tiny, tiny little hatchback that uh, has been sold here in the U.S. for a few generations. They've had multiple versions of this car um, since the early to mid-2000s. It's a great car. This latest generation, I think, is the best yet. Fun to drive. Tons and tons of accessories and options. Those cool seats that fold flat for that big interior space. Really a well-packaged car uh, that's affordable, but people in the U.S. now are looking to buy small crossovers like the uh, HRV right. and not the Fit. So that's why that's going away. And your grandma has one. I love the little car. Uh, but you know, I think when pe- two, you know two people walk into a dealership and they're looking for a vehicle, uh, both of them will choose the HRV over the Fit. And that's a problem. Although the Fit was very affordable. That was its big uh, big selling point. So moving on to Hyundai, the Elantra GT hatchback. Yeah, Elantra GT, uh, you know, they're, they're really working on sorting out. For a long time, a lot of their performance cars were basically uh, performance in name only, right? They, they didn't – I'm like, I'm even talking about the old Veloster, right? These cars were um, not um, – sufficiently developed yet to be able to actually kind of put their money where their mouth is, right? Uh, and now with uh, Hyundai's latest end program, the development program with Biermann there from BMW, uh, they really are making these cars much more um, performance-oriented and not just in name only. Uh, and, and maybe that was the case with the GT. I thought the GT was a good little car. It was affordable. Um, it stacked up well in the segment. It looked pretty good for what it was. And just the hatchback thing, once again, you're better off buying like a Tucson, I think, if, if, you're, uh, if you're looking for an affordable kind yeah, of small Yeah, hatchbacks smallish. aren't selling either. That's another problem. Oh, the biggest issue, actually, I just remembered this, with mm-hmm. the uh, Launcher GT is the Kona, which is a really good little car. So, um, yeah, but it was available with the six-speed manual in the end line, like you mentioned. So you could have a little bit of zip with your hatchback GT, but it's going away. All right, next up on the list. From Jaguar, two vehicles, the XE, so the 3 Series competitor, and my favorite one, the XF Sport Brake, or the XF Station Wagon. Yeah, uh, shooting brakes, right, which is a British term, uh, or station wagons, uh, just aren't selling. And the only company that's still kind of pushing them is Volvo. More or less. More or less. I mean, I think you can still get a Mercedes wagon. Uh, but, yeah, they're just the crossovers have completely, like, wiped them off the face of the earth. So that makes perfect sense. Uh, and, um, you know, the, the, I think the problem with the XE, right, uh, was that, uh, first of all, it's in the wrong segment. Uh, so Tesla is dominating that segment with the Model 3. Even the BMW 3 Series is struggling. And, you know, at some point, if you're not a competitor in that segment, which it really wasn't, then it's really hard to keep building a car that – uh, is 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 selling into a really strong headwind. It was a good car. I remember driving it. Actually, I had a really fun drive with it from Aspen uh, into the mountains over Independence Pass. It handled well. Um, I think there was actually a diesel variant, which was cool because I was like the only one you can get a diesel of that of that size. Uh, but yeah, it's just uh, yeah, it's, it's it's small brand, small car, uh, not not in the right 
you know, right time, but a good car. I mean, for a while there, you get the uh, like the three series here in the states came in diesel as well. For a while, um, and and of course nowadays the, the diesel in the XC is is long gone. So now you have a choice of two Ingenium two liter four cylinders, the two forty seven horsepower model, and the two hundred ninety six horsepower model. I think it's a really good looking car. So much better than both the Lexus IS and the Mercedes C Class. Uh, but it is a Jaguar, and that name does carry some uh, baggage for some folks looking for a dependable vehicle. Like it or not, you know, Jaguar you know, does have a stigma around it. You know, it's like it's, it has nothing necessarily to do with the car, but everything to do with what is kind of in vogue right now. So, like, like everybody goes to Vegas, and nobody goes to Atlantic City. And I've been to both, and there's this kind of this, you know, this this spiral that happens is when you become. And I'm talking about the segment, not the vehicle, right? So maybe the the, the casinos in, in and I'm not a big gambler, but I'm just kind of guessing are the same in Atlantic City as they are in Vegas. But for some reason, it's really cool to go to Vegas, and so it just that spiral feeds on itself until eventually that segment is not very viable. All right. So moving on from the Jaguar, we go to a Lexus, the Lexus GS, the uh, big Lexus sedan, smaller than the LS. Bigger than the IS. Rear wheel drive. There was a fantastic GSF with the naturally yeah. aspirated V8. I was going to say buy that one and hold on to it. Um, but the GS, uh, once again, it falls in that big sedan segment that no one's really buying. It, not much of a reason to buy it over like a 5 Series or an E-Class other than the exceptional build quality, which is a good reason and to buy and it. It's, and it's a little dated now, right? It's been around a while, so it's, it's getting it's getting a little long in the tooth. It was, also, it was also kind of frumpy looking. The exterior design was never my, my personal favorite. Well, once again, you know, this is when like the 5 Series was ruled the roost, right? Everybody was competing with it. And the GS kind of went up against a vehicle that, that all of a sudden isn't in demand anymore. Right. I, yeah, no, I, I agree. But the uh, GS will be one I'm sad to see go. It was updated with the uh, like the triple beam headlights and the, the spindle grill. And, and it had a really cool um, it had a really cool uh, trick diff that actually uh, sent power to not torque vectoring for real, right? There's kind of torque vectoring it's, it's also real, but it's, it's not it's the easier way to do it where you break the inside wheel around the corner versus setting power to the outside wheel. Right next up on the list is the Lincoln Continental and the MKZ, both sedans, both loosely based on like the Fusion. The Continental was a Lincoln Fusion. The Continental was just too small. Wait, we just it just, was, too, just, it just wasn't it, very good, Dad. It was, I mean, it had such an iconic nameplate, and they did a cool thing with the door handles and some of the lighting, but the actual vehicle and, and itself... And it had its own engine, right? It had a 3-liter EcoBoost, which was unique to that vehicle for I think they're time. using it in other things now, no, but yeah, yeah, but it had a bigger, bigger EcoBoost. It just didn't look that cool. It I didn't mean, it, drive it, that it well. It should have just been bigger, a bigger and more of a bold, right? It felt like... It, what, what it felt like was they tried to go... And let's see, the Navigator did it, right? They went with kind of that black series. They made it big and bold uh, and in-your-face and very American. And, and with the Continental, they did the same thing style-wise, but the car was just too small. It just didn't have any road presence. It, it should have been like another two feet longer, and it may have actually sold as a livery. I also think that it was front-wheel drive biased, which isn't, right. isn't that great for a proper American car. The seats were cool. It had those amazing I, I, seats. I mean, those, those cars are all about the back seat, and the back seat was cramped. For, for a Lincoln, it was cramped, Tommy, or it is cramped. And then the MKC was a rebadged Ford, which we can totally skip because yeah. that did not need to exist. Anyways, moving on down the list from Lincoln to Mercedes-Benz. This was also announced a while ago, but it's finally dead now. The Mercedes-Benz SLC, better known as the Mercedes-Benz SLK, the two-door convertible roadster. Yeah, that, you know, that and the TT uh, got the kind of the moniker of the hairdresser's car, right? 
It was like if you can't afford an SL, you go get the you know the the, the cheaper, younger, smaller sister brother of it. Uh, and uh, I think that's a hard that's a hard the SL's not even selling very well. So how's a smaller version of that going to sell? Because it's cheaper. Not a particularly handsome car. Not great to drive, but decent to drive. Interior is looking quite ancient. <laughs> By nowadays, it's got the old old Mercedes design. Right, I, I think you could get a manual. So it really wasn't an enthusiast car, right? No, it was, it was a cruiser. cruiser. Yeah, yeah, it was absolutely. Cruiser. I mean, at least a Z4, right? You can, you can kind of take uh, it. Yeah, you can. You yeah. Just, it's a little bit more fun to drive, absolutely. So that's gone, as is the Toyota Yaris. Now, if you remember, the current Yaris was built in partnership with Mazda, uh, but Mazda is not bringing the new – I think it's the Mazda 2. It's not bringing the new one right. to the U.S., so Toyota's axing the Yaris as well. Yeah, it kind of goes away of the fit. I mean, it was a, you know it was a basic transportation vehicle, or is a basic transportation vehicle, like the Versa, right? That somebody needs because they want to get to work or school, uh, and they want something that's safe, but doesn't, you know, it, it's kind of like having, it's kind of like buying the tea without the coffee. <laughs> I mean, the uh, milk without the coffee at that point. All you're getting is milk. It was available in both sedan and hatchback configuration. Super great car to drive, though. If yeah, you've ever driven fun, one, it was small. really fun to drive. I think it looked pretty cool. It had this angry-eyed look. Once again, two people walk into the Toyota dealership, and you know, there's the Yaris, there's the CHR. They're both going to get the CHR. Unfortunately, I don't know. <laughs> they should get the Yaris. The CHR is not a great car. Buy a Yaris. Um, at least it's fun to drive, and it really isn't all that much better off-road. God, <laughs> the CHR I mean, is the. I mean, think about like like how much we're using three. Letter acronyms now, right? It's crazy. At least the Yaris had a real name. Whether you liked it or not, it was a cool name. And all these cool cars that actually have names, like the Fit, the Yaris, are going away. Uh, and these silly cars that don't have real names are still around. Um, but like CHR's front-wheel drive only, I mean, it doesn't have the benefits of a crossover. It's not that roomy. The Yaris was roomy. It was also front-wheel you, drive. I think you can get an all-wheel drive version in Europe. Well, yeah, so hybrid. there's there's a new one. Yeah. Uh, there's a brand-new Yaris film in Europe. With a GRMN configuration. We don't get that. Which is supposed to be incredible. It's this little hot hatch, yeah. which is just blowing people's minds from the reviews I've seen. So that's really sad it's not coming. The other car and the final car on our list that has died from Volkswagen, the E-Golf. Yeah, that's a, that's a really cool little car. Um, you know, if you wanted a Golf with all of the really great driving dynamics, the perfect size, you know, the German mechanics of it then the e-golf was the electric version of that what more do i need to say the funny thing about the e-golf is that it was supposed to die a long time ago but people just kept buying the hell out of the thing so the volkswagen just kept cranking them out and cranking them out and cranking them out um and now they're finally like all right <laughs> enough no, is you enough know what they're doing in, in europe right where they're built they, they're having to convert the factory exactly to the ID's. that's what they're doing yeah. the id3 so yeah. the id3 is now being built instead of the e-golf the, the biggest problem of course was it didn't have enough range right it was pretty good though 125 it had yeah. uh, a dc fast charging it was super fun to drive the other problem with it is now in europe they're building the mark 8 golf right and the e-golf was the still the mark 7 so it's old so we have two bonuses on this list two cars that are that we think are going to die two cars cars that should have died or we thought would have died but haven't okay first up is the audi tt i love that car we just sold ours uh, to toby our mechanic who bought it for his mother-in-law congratulations toby hope she has a wonderful time with it uh yeah the audi tt uh, uh wow that's an interesting segment you know that that two doors sporty uh convertible or coupe um hard segment again uh, you know everything everything is becoming Either if it's a performance car, it's a performance crossover, and if it's not a performance car, it's a crossover. Uh, and so I, I hate 
I hope it doesn't go away. I especially like the TTRS uh, with the little five-cylinder turbo. Uh, super fast. 400 horsepower, Tommy? Something like that, I yeah. want the, That's the car I want. If I could find one, you know, I saw one at the local Audi dealership that was orange, kind of with white, right? The the, the, the accent parts were white. Uh, popsicle orange. It was incredible. I would have bought it in a heartbeat if I, it wasn't 80K. Yeah, I just, I don't get the TT. I mean, I don't really understand the RS because it's a, just a redonkulous amount of money for the performance you get. I don't think it looks that good. It's not all that practical. It's not as fun to drive. I've read as something as like a Z4 all right, or a Corvette. Right, so let's, let's say... The TT's what, 50, 60K? New. No, they were like 70, 78. The TTRS. Yeah, I mean so, it's... So, look, you got two cars with that five-cylinder turbo, right? Let's say, let's say you're stuck buying one of these two cars. Right. You can get the TTRS or the... Um, the uh, RS3. RS3, yeah. Which one? Oh, R- R- RS3. The four-door hatchback. Yeah, or... or go, no, it was a sedan in the States. I, I don't know if they ever made was the hatchback. Yeah. So you, you'd go for the four-door. Sedan, yeah. yeah. Or I'd actually get an e- or a Golf R before both of those. Which is very similar. Which is very similar. Yeah, I mean, that's the issue. Power. That's always been the rub on the TT. Anyway, I hope it doesn't go away. That's, I love it. The TT, though, underneath has just always been based on a kind of a, a lesser... Like like driveline, you know the old TTs are based on the Golfs and they drive like a Golf. The new TTs are better, but they still they don't drive as good as they look. I mean it's it's an interesting argument you could you can make. But the last car that is living on borrowed time, I can't believe they're still building this. I don't understand why, but is the Nissan 370Z. Yeah, no, that one should go away. <laughs> yeah, it's like a hundred years old. You should see the interior. Well, in a there's a new one, right? We've seen the new 400. The, but it's a prototype, the 400Z Proto. Right. right. The 370Z still, I think, has got that VQ engine. The issue with the 400Z that is it's just a prototype, uh, and it's not something you can drive yet in terms of what you can go. Now buy. they drove it around the track. Yeah. So I'll wait till it's fully baked, and then I'd love to get our hands on it. I mean, one. And, and the other bigger issue with it is, I think Nissan. And it's a sacrilege, but I'm still waiting for somebody outside of Tesla to actually have the cojones to build an all-electric sports car. I'm not talking about a crossover. I'm not talking about a sedan. I'm not talking about a truck. I'm talking about an all-electric sports car that will blow everybody's mind. And you wonder why Nissan hasn't give us, given us access to it. <laughs> Well, I, you know, it, it seems obvious to me. Did you, did you read this week that Tesla's stock value is now more than the seven largest automakers combined? I did, yes. But, I mean, that's But you know, that's crazy. stock value. That is, that is the market doing its thing. But it's, it's based thing. on reality. Well, but it's not based on the number of units that they build. I mean, it's – Tesla's a drop in the bucket compared to what Toyota produces or what Volkswagen Group produces. Yeah, I mean, you know, for a long time, Tesla had one factory, right? Right. I don't I, – the valuation is cool. And, and, here's, and the other, here's the other thing. Ford just lent us the, the Mach E, right? Right. And yet somehow everybody seems to forget that Tesla is an American car company. Sure. <laughs> what does that is. come from? Where did they- well, because the, you know, it's 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 like people seem to forget that it's American, right? Everybody's like like buy American unless it's Tesla, and then somehow that doesn't count. Yeah, that's an interesting right? point. I mean, the, the car we have is built in Fremont, California, right, by American workers, and you know, if you are a patriotic person and you you know want to support american workers get yourself a tesla or a camry well it depends okay camry is built here too actually, the, actually actually the most american car uh is For the while, camry was the accord it's the accord yeah, yeah. in that. terms of content yeah, yeah it's like 75 percent yeah so which you know and a honda builds a lot of their cars here and so does Toyota. but i'm saying if People seem to forget that that's this a homegrown is, company. This is a discussion for another day. But anyways, let us know what you think of the cars that died in 2020. All right, which of those cars are you, are you uh, the most sad about it going away? Um, Pick one, please. 
Which one? Probably... <laughs> I haven't driven a lot of these cars, unfortunately. You know, probably... The i8. I like the i8. I yeah, think that was a I'm, cool I'm car. There. Me too. I love the i8. Uh, like I say, I want to buy one. Uh, and I think we will. So uh, I'm, I'm thinking in the next couple of years when they get below 50K. And I was looking at them. They're, they're a 60 right now. You but they're still slow, <laughs> even when they're used. But they're still cool. Well, let us know what you think in the comments section below. And as always, this is Tommy. And Roman. Check out TFLcar.com for what? Independent and honest real-world reviews. See you next time. Ciao. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.